politics podcast from the Frederick News Post. My name is Jack Hogan, and I cover county and state politics. Today's guest is Jan Gardner, who served two terms as the county's first executive. Frederick County only shifted from a commissioner-led government to one with a county executive and legislative county council in 2014. Former Executive Gardner is about a dozen days removed from Winchester Hall. Her successor, Jessica Fitzwater, is a fellow Democrat. I sat down with former Executive Gardner to ask her about her eight years as Frederick County's first executive and what she believes her legacy will be. Also, to give her a chance to respond to what city, county, and state officials said about her in interviews that I conducted for a recent story and to find out what she's doing next. Jan Gardner, welcome to the newsroom and thanks for joining me today in the booth. It's nice to be here. I don't think I've been in the booth for a few years, maybe since the last time I ran for office in 2018. All right. Um, Speaking of uh, your times running for office uh, and your your eight years in office, that's the reason we're here today, to be able to get some of your thoughts on the time that you served as the county's first executive. The first question I'd have for you, what is the one thing that you are most proud of from your eight years as Frederick County's executive? One thing? Gee, that's really hard because there's a long list of things um, that I'm proud of. Um, I think the um, thing that will leave the longest uh, legacy is the um, what we've done for to support agriculture. I think the doubling of the investment in, for agriculture preservation and setting aside money for agriculture innovation grants to make sure agriculture remains viable and the Rural Historic Preservation Grants, which all passed as one package. That was an initiative that I think will have the most long-lasting impact uh, on Frederick County and keeping the character of the county and the things we value about the county. What's one thing that you wish you handled differently during your time? Oh, gosh. I don't I don't know that... Um, uh, I would necessarily say there's something I would handle differently. I mean, in hindsight, you always have more information than you had up front, which might make you approach something differently. Um, But, you know, I think I had a lot of accomplishments and a lot of bold accomplishments um, during my time in office. Um, You know, saving citizens in Montevideo was a big deal. Uh, in my first term, it was something I made a campaign promise to, and I was proud to be able to do that. You know, that was a legal battle, and that was very stressful for me on a personal level. Um, you know, Livable Frederick will be a lo- amongst one of my most significant accomplishments as well, and investing in um, education. So I really feel like I had a lot of accomplishments. And, you know, I might have done some things differently in the response to the pandemic, uh, which was very stressful, had I had different set of information. And so, but you can't really go back and, and, and do that any differently than we did because we were trying to make decisions in a time that we had no, a lot of uncertainty and we did not have perfect information. And so things changed week to week and we did the best we could to communicate that to people. What's an example of information that would have been helpful during the county's response to a, a really an unprecedented challenge. I think um, one of the things that um, has had a long-lasting impact ha- was on education, was keeping schools closed as long as we, we did. And uh, fortunately, the COVID virus, you know, impacted um, everybody, but it certainly had a greater impact on older Americans. And um, so I think it was a wise thing to do initially, but I think that um, having kids out of school for the length of time 
really um, created a lot of educational loss and a lot of uh, um, uh, other issues that were associated with isolation. Same with our seniors. So I think with seniors, though, we would have had to make the same exact decisions that we made because the risk factor was so much higher. Hmm. So the county shifted to a charter form of government in 2014, and, and that's when you took office for the first time. What has this shift uh, to a charter form of government with a county executive and a legislative county council meant for Frederick County, especially at the state level? Well, I think it's helped us to get more money from the state. And I mean, I think that's just been demonstrated. Uh, multiple years, we had bills that gave us extra um, funding for school construction, uh, which I think is a big deal for our county. And, you know, one of my commitments has been to fund public education and to build uh, schools. And so to be able to access additional money for school construction has been a big deal. And I think we have also received uh, additional money uh, for a number of capital projects that we have asked for, including our detox center, uh, the animal control center, the crisis stabilization facility. Um, we've also received federal funding for um, the crisis stabilization center. And uh, so we've been able to access more funding. Um, and I think we've been able to lobby more effectively because people know the county executive is the voice of the county. And when you are lobbying as a county commissioner, there's always a question in the back of the minds of your um, legislators sitting on the other side of the dais as to whether what you're saying really represents the majority opinion. And so uh, county executives um, carry a lot more weight in what they do, and they're able to speak with a single voice for the county. And I think there's a great benefit to that. You know, I'd also say we've been able to advocate for transportation funding. I mean, I'm very pleased that we were able to get the funding for the improvements to US-15 through the city of Frederick. Is that something that would have taken longer or just not happened under the commissioner form of government? Well, you know, I actually went out and advocated for that, met with the secretary for that. And so before that got announced, you know, the secretary did call me to tell me we were getting the funding. And he said, the last time I talked to you, I knew I was, we, you know, we were going to be able to fund it, that the, the governor was going to fund it in his budget. And but he said, I couldn't tell you yet. So I do feel like, um, you know, that, that advocacy that we were able to do or that I was able to do was really made a difference to some of these projects. I'll say the same thing with um, affordable housing. You know, one of our best ways to address affordable housing is to build more LIHTC projects, which is low-income tax credit projects. And that that's a federal tax credit, but it comes through the state. Um, uh, and, you know, I was able to really help prioritize um, some of those projects. So um, I, I think we did better in affordable housing than we've ever done before. So if you really look back over the last eight years and compare them to the eight years before that, or any eight years before that, you'll see that we really did access a lot more uh, state and federal dollars. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, members of minority and immigrant communities in the county say they feel left behind by the county government. What are some of the steps that you took to reach those communities during your time in office and what do you feel should have been done differently? Well, I think that, um, you know, we have really tried to do outreach to um, our uh, non-English speaking uh, community uh, and our immigrant community in a number of ways. Obviously, the creation of the Immigrant Affairs Commission, which was done legislatively, was one of those things. We hired a public outreach person who's bilingual. 
Um, I also hire staff in my office that was bilingual to really help uh, communicate better to people. Certainly during the pandemic, we did a lot of uh, communication in multiple languages. And, you know, we held community meetings. And certainly we have really tried very hard to meet the needs of, um, uh, of the immigrant community. So, you know, a good example of that is we, we knew during COVID that we had a higher incident of uh, uh, COVID positivity rates um, in along the Golden Mile and in the Hispanic community. And so, you know, the health department opened up a COVID testing center there, which we went out and rented space for that. And then we decided that we had um, built some good community trust there. And so we have continued to keep it open as our first equity office and to help bring more information and services to people in that community. And I will say that, you know, everything we normally do uh, took a step backwards during the pandemic because, um, you know, we couldn't talk to people face to face. And that, um, that, that made things uh, a bit different. But I, I think we've really tried to do a lot of good things to support our entire community and our immigrant community. I mean, I moved up the library six years to try to bring library services to that community. And we're debating where the site should be. But I think um, skipping that uh, forward over another project was really uh, something positive that we've tried to do. What what should the county continue to do moving forward to and ensure that there is um, a dialogue in between these between the county government and between some of these communities that you mentioned? I think we should continue to have go out to the community and have community meetings and um, make sure that we have um, the information that people need to access services. And I actually think we did a very good job of that with things like rental assistance. I think we really um, made a good effort to outreach to uh, people, again, not just one particular group of people, but to people who would, would need rental assistance. Um, during the um, and after the pandemic. And certainly, um, we have um, pushed that money out faster than some of our peer counties. I've so spoken with officials at the city, county and state level about your tenure as county executive. And what came up again and again was your leadership style and the value you placed on public education. I'd first like to ask about your leadership style. Those who I spoke with said you are are strong in your convictions and a, and a hands-on leader. What kind of leader do you see yourself as? Um, I see myself as a very um, good listener. I think I uh, try to consider all of the opinions that are out there and to try to strike a positive balance. I really think our job as elected officials is to uh, try to balance legitimate but often competing uh, needs and interests in the community. I think that's Fundamentally, if you put it in one sentence, that's what we're supposed to do. And I think I'm very pragmatic. You know, I have uh, often had to um, work with a a council. The first council was um, majority Republican. I had three people who were going to vote against pretty much everything that I did. I had to make sure that I worked well and collaboratively with the county council to get things done. And so, and I think I've been able to do that. And so, um, you know, I have really tried to um, set up a good foundation for charter government with good policies and practices. And um, I'm a hard worker. I have a very strong work ethic. And I believe that I have done some bold things. And I've had a long list of accomplishments over the past eight years, of which I'm very proud. It's 
become clear during interviews and during the year and a half that I've covered you, uh, that you place a high value on public education, specifically when it comes to securing funding for new school buildings in a county with some aging schools and overcrowded classrooms. What does the Frederick County public school system still need and how much progress do you feel like you made in addressing that need during your tenure? Well, every year I was in office, we certainly funded on the operating side well above uh, maintenance of effort. Last year, $35 million above maintenance of effort. Um, But we did fall behind, um, and it's very easy to fall behind. So during the um, uh, term of the last Board of County Commissioners, when they wouldn't fund a dime above the minimum level required by law, which is maintenance of effort. So we had to make that up. And you have to to make that up, you have to not just fund above maintenance of effort. You have to try to fund above what all your peer counties are funding to try to catch up with a variety of things that you need to do, competitive salaries being among those. And so it takes a lot longer to, um, to uh, recover than it does to, t- to, to take it apart. And so we are still recovering from those years of a total non-investment in schools and public education, in school construction. I mean, that was just a, uh, there was just a dearth of uh, investment in education and in other quality of life things. I mean, libraries were canceled. We had state money for a library in Walkersville, and they sent the state money back to, back to the state and didn't build the library because they didn't believe in libraries, and they didn't believe in parks. They didn't build a single park either. So, um, you know, uh, these are things our community appreciates, but it takes a long time to um, really try to recover and to gain uh, parity uh, on certain things that you've fallen behind on because uh, economically, we seem to uh, have the same kind of economics w- with our p- peer surrounding counties. So if we have more money to invest, they have more money to invest. And so you know you're trying to do better than them to catch up for that gap in funding. So that teachers aren't leaving to go to their school system, for example? Absolutely. And okay. it, it, it exists in other parts of county government as well, where we're really trying to make sure that we keep up with um, salaries. And, you know, in the last year, we've really had to also compete with the private sector, sector because, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of people left the workforce and some of them have not come back. And a number of those people are people who retired. They may have retired earlier. They may have been people who had to work longer and they've retired and they're not going back into certain jobs. So we've had to try to struggle to uh, pay people, for instance, in IT because we've had to really compete with the private sector on that. So some jobs we compete just within government. Most of our public safety jobs are, you know, we're competing with other governments. But there's some uh, sectors where we're competing more broadly in the community. Uh, We need more transit drivers. We need more drivers in highway operations, and we're competing for those drivers with people like FedEx and Amazon and UPS and all those kinds of um, people who really hired a lot of drivers during the pandemic and raised those salary levels. So um, sometimes those things are hard to predict, but we really have to try to make sure that we can get the roads plowed and that we can keep transit buses running. So it's really, um, county government is really very diverse. We have 18 div- different divisions, and they do some very different things. And so the, the, the issues and the circumstances and what you need to do to provide those um, services in an effective and efficient manner really vary 
significantly sometimes division to division. And bringing it back, though, to public education for a moment, what needs to continue to happen at the county government level and the county executive's office to address low teacher pay, crowded classrooms, aging school buildings? And obviously these are things that take some time, but... Well, I think it's important for um, the county executive's office to continue to have an education liaison to both the um, Board of Education, the school system, and the community college. I think it's important for the county executive to continue to have monthly meetings with the leadership of both of those organizations. And I think it's important that we continue to advocate for school construction, our share of state dollars in the blueprint for education, and to make sure that we continue to fund above uh, maintenance of effort and meet those, those obligations in matching the blueprint. So the focus on education um, that I've had for the last eight years needs to continue, and I suspect that it will continue um, with um, the county executive that was elected um, to keep our schools um, uh, competitive. And, you know, people in Frederick County really get a good bang for the buck. Um, you know, we do spend... Uh, um, uh, less than average on um, per student spending, and yet our our um, outcomes for educational outcomes are generally uh, near the top in the state. Um, several Republican lawmakers that I spoke with have said the, the county council that served from 2018 to uh, I guess this past December, early December was a quote-unquote rubber stamp for your legislative and budget priorities. How do you respond to this? I would respond to that by saying that they didn't pay attention. And what do you mean by that? Um, that, well, you know, I'm basically saying they don't know what they're talking about. So, you know, I will tell you when I wanted to get a budget passed or I had a, a certain initiative that I wanted to get done, I would call all the county council members. I would talk to all of them, including the Republicans, and I would try to find out what people were, would support. And then that's how I would advance things. So, you know, you do hard work to get things done, and that's what I did. So for someone to say that there was rubber stamping going on is just factually wrong. How's that for an answer? Yeah. And... Shifting to, uh, I mean, a little bit of what I heard from several Democratic lawmakers, including your successor, uh, County Executive Jessica Fitzwater, and, and, well, this isn't a Democrat, but this is a member of her transition team, Rick Weldon. Um, they said that you were exactly the best person to be Frederick County's first executive. What experiences prepared you for that role? Uh, I think that having 12 years as a county commissioner uh, – uh, helped to prepare me for that role. I also was president of the county commissioners, and so I signed all the documents through that four-year period. Uh, so I had a good understanding of what was legislative and what was executive function because the commissioners had those combined. I also, in 2007, served as the president of the Maryland Association of Counties, which gave me a lot of exposure in the state. And I got to see what... Um, uh, how other county executives uh, functioned in Annapolis. And um, so I really had a lot of background that I think was very useful and let me hit the ground running when I became the county executive. What do you wish you had known when you began your first term in 2014? Something you know now that you think would have been useful then or at 
any point during during your eight years? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that I have one thing that I wish I had known then that I, I know now. I mean, so much of politics and getting things done is about having relationships with people and having good working relationships um, to get things done. So all good relationships are based on trust. So building trust with people um, is always uh, a key part to being successful as an elected official. Um, I will say I was surprised when I came back in 2014 at how low the morale was within county government uh, because employees had been treated really badly. And um, I didn't know just how badly they had been treated. And so I saw people I knew and I could tell they were stressed out. And I would say, you know, what's going on? And they would say, well, you know, I'm assigned to do a different job than I was doing when you were here before. And I wasn't given a choice. I was just told my job was being eliminated. And now I was doing something different. And so I really spent a lot of time that first six months when we were also trying to stand up charter government and we had Annapolis going on. I was doing my first budget. I went out and met with employees all through county government and listened to them. And I think that is really a worthwhile thing to do. And I would certainly recommend to Jessica that she goes out and meets with county employees where they are. Um, and so I went out and met with highway crews. I met, went out, went, met with water and sewer maintenance people. I went out and tried to meet with everybody. It's very hard to meet with everybody. But I tried to go out and meet with employees to find out what was going on, what had happened, what needed fixed. And I think, you know, you're only as um, strong as your team. And the team is everybody. Everybody that has a job there has a job because there's something that needs to get done. And so um, I think communicating out to employees has been a really uh, important uh, thing to do. Something the public probably doesn't fully ever see. What do you hope people will remember when they look back on your time as county executive? Um, I hope they'll remember um, the accomplishments, and I hope they'll remember the positive tone that I set in county government. So one of the things I wanted to do was to um, build trust in county government, to set a positive tone. We came in initially, one of the first things out of the gate was to set up an ethics task force, and we strengthened our ethics laws, and we continue to be the only county in the state of Maryland that has an independently appointed ethics commission because the members of the ethics commission hold elected officials accountable. And if you appoint them, then maybe you're not, um, you know, there's a, a relationship there that isn't really uh, about holding you as accountable as, as it should be. So making that more independent um, and, and restoring trust in county government was important. I think people will remember the investment in education. We've built a lot of schools, um, I, I, and we've invested in education. I also think they'll, um, uh, Livable Frederick will prove its worth over time, uh, really setting a good framework for how the county not just grows, but how we plan for education and health and the environment and transportation, all those things are very much linked into Livable Frederick. And, um, you know, we've done uh, a lot for behavioral mental health. And I mean, it's just in a completely different place than where we were eight years ago. I mean, we now have a detox center. We're about to um, 
We have peer recovery coaches. We have mobile crisis. We have the integrated mobile health. And we're, you know, going to, in 2023, open the crisis stabilization center. Those really give real hope for recovery from mental health challenges, from substance misuse, which is often linked with mental health challenges. And so um, I think we've done a lot for um, in that area. And um, I also think I put the county in great financial shape. So when I came into office in 2014, and again, um, you know, in all fairness, it was following a recession uh, to some extent. The recession had recovered a bit, but was following some years of recession. And um, we have the AAA bond rating from all three rating agencies, which really puts us into a top tier of counties, fewer than 50 counties in the nation out of over 3,100 counties has that three AAA bond rating that really uh, helps us to build schools, roads, fire stations, parks, libraries, all those things uh, at a lower, significant lower cost because we have a much lower uh, interest rate. And uh, reserves have been rated. Um, so the last year of the last Board of County Commissioners, they took money out of reserves. They took money out of um, workers' comp reserve. They took money out of the fleet reserve. And they gave people raises that year because they wanted to hopefully get the employees to vote for them after they had treated them terribly for four years. And, but that left a structural deficit because they had an ongoing expense paid for out of a rating of reserves. So I had to restore uh, the fleet reserve, the workers comp reserve and our general fund reserves. So our general fund reserves were at 5% and now they're at 9%. And that has a lot to do with why we have a AAA bond rating. So, um, you know, I, my, I have a degree in finance and economics, and I really think that um, I have really put the county in great financial um, shape uh, for moving forward. And what will you do next? Well, I am thinking about that. I'm taking a little bit of time off, and uh, so I will tell you to stay tuned for that one. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Well... Jan, thank you so much for coming into the newsroom and and joining me in the booth. Well, thank you for having me. And I will say that did go fast. (laughs) 